There are countless tales of televangelists with uh, palatial homes, private jets, and other high-priced worldly goods. <laughs> and worse, it sounds like a scam that involves exploiting tax laws about religious organizations, uh, allowing these ministries to make fat stacks tax-free. At least one member of Congress thought it was concerning as well. On November 5th, 2007, United States Senator Chuck Grassley announced an investigation by the United States Senate Committee on Finance into the tax-exempt status of six ministries. The ministries under investigation were Benny Hinn, Paula White, Eddie L. Long, Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, and Kathleen <laughs> Copeland. Yes, Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. Wait a minute. Come on, the first word. What? Oh, come on, man. He sounds like you one of the. Can't do this to me. He sounds like a SoundCloud rapper. Creflo, straight up. He sounds like a SoundCloud rapper. Creflo Dollar. Yeah, I'm yep. taking that shit, and I'm gonna become a SoundCloud rapper. It's a beautiful name, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. All right. Creflo. I, I'm gonna think about that for days. You're welcome. Senator Grassley stated, quote, the allegations involve governing boards that aren't independent and allow generous salaries and housing allowances and amenities such as private jets and Rolls Royces, end quote. IRS guidelines require that pastors' compensation be, quote unquote, reasonable. Net earnings may not benefit any private individual. Now, oh, man, cool. Just reasonable. That's a great uh, mathematical fucking way to solve things. I know. Very, very. Hey, uh, uh, make sure you don't do anything improper, Shell Corporation. Uh, sidebar: I am now following Creflo Dollar on Twitter. Oh, great! You're gonna, I, I'm going to be responsible for red pilling you through Creflo. Dollar. He's going to get Creflo pilled, dude. Right. He's going to get dollar pilled. So now, if you think that this congressional probe helped protect the public from predatory grifters who play upon people's religious beliefs, you've forgotten that nothing matters. <laughs> You know, I started that uh, because I'm supposed to be the most depressing one on the podcast, but you have adopted it with worrying speed. It tells me that the degradation of our world is such that the reasonable among us are now saying nothing means anything. And we started this podcast mere months ago. On January 6, 2011, Senator Grassley concluded the three-year investigation with no penalties and no definitive findings of wrongdoing. And that's basically why televangelists are free to do whatever they want and say whatever they want to this day and forever. So Senator Grassley was the the Mueller report of oh, this Yeah, time. yeah, he was a Mueller report. Be like, oh, hey, man. For you, three you years. Like, you, it seems like you're, people, are, listen, people are fucking terrified of going after, uh, you know, religious freedom. We're, you know, the, the yeah. first, the, the first white people on this, on this continent wanted to believe the crazy, whatever crazy religious things they, yeah. they wanted to. That's what they said. It's like. Yeah, part of them uh, did that, and then the other part were just people like going to exploit it commercially in some way. Of course, of so course. we have the but biggest grifters, the earliest. Who, yeah, yeah right. the grifters willing to leave the their whip. homes forever, probably. Right. Uh, so probably not the best ones of the of the <laughs> right. of the communities, you know. Plus the hyper religious to the point where even they were getting picked on by the majority of people <laughs> who were also Christian. That's what America was. I mean, yeah. people people give shit to Australia for being a prisoner island of you know. I mean, of course there was a population there before and there was a population here before but still uh, america's pretty bad yeah, it is but yeah there's just there is anxiety around allowing the government to come sniffing around yeah. a church yeah. even if it is a church that's like seems like a prop a pretty obvious yeah. scam like praying medic like praying medic yeah there's <laughs> the there they are they treat those rules about religious freedom freedom of expression extremely delicately beautiful god what a uh, I think I've screamed louder than I've ever screamed before, and that's because our time together, Travis, is always oh, so beautiful. It is, it is. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs>
Pat Robertson with Julian Field. March 22nd, 1930, Year of Our Lord. Interior, day, private hospital in Lexington, Virginia. Marion Gordon Robertson tumbles out of the womb of Gladys Churchill, wife to Absalom Willis Robertson. Marion's father, Absalom, was a Virginia congressman who later became the state senator. He was what is known as a Dixiecrat, a group of Democrats, usually from the South, who love segregation and hate civil rights. Many of them actually broke away from the Democratic Party about it. Absalom fought against black people's rights for his whole career, eventually getting primaried after he pissed off Lyndon Johnson. This happened because Absalom snubbed the president's wife during her trip to the South, which she had embarked on to promote the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Absalom died in 1971 and was buried in the Stonewall Jackson Memorial Cemetery because of course he was. But we're not here to talk about Absalom. We're here because his son Marion, who would come to be known as Pat, is magnificent in his own right. He decides to go with Pat because he considers Marion too effeminate and M. Gordon too pompous. His chosen name comes from what his six-year-old brother would say when he patted him on the cheeks. Pat. 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 Pat attends prep schools, followed by the Washington and Lee University where he gets a BA in history. He is a member of the Sigma Alpha Epsilon fraternity. In his own words, Although I worked hard at my studies, my real major centered around lovely young ladies who attended the nearby girls' schools. I joined the fraternity my freshman year and quickly received what seemed a postgraduate course in wild partying. In 1948, Pat joins the Marine Corps in lieu of being drafted into the Army. According to his website, Pat is shipped to the Pacific in 1950. He spends time in Kobe, Japan, and then gets sent to Korea in 1951. Thank you for your service. His, well, give it a moment. His website also claims that he is awarded three battle stars for, quote, action against the enemy during that period. But this might be a slight misrepresentation. Paul McCloskey Jr., a Republican congressman who served with Pat in Korea, writes a public letter explaining that Pat was spared combat duty in Korea because his father, who was the senator of Virginia at the time, intervened on his behalf. In fact, uh, I was reading about it, and they were all on a ship together, and then he called his dad, and then he was pulled off that ship, along with like a few other kids who clearly had someone intervene. So that's why McCloskey was pissed when he made this claim and basically stepped in. And, oh, man, I take my, I take my yeah, comment back. <laughs> absolutely. No, no, no. Wait for it, though. McCloskey's letter, uh, he wrote a public letter, as I mentioned, explains that Pat spent the first part of his service behind a desk in Japan and the second part as a, quote, liquor officer in Korea, the guy responsible for keeping the other officers supplied with booze. Not quite Iwo Jima. Pat sues McCloskey, but eventually withdraws the lawsuit and pays for the congressman's legal fees. Another Marine that served with both men confirms McCloskey's version of things to the Mojave Daily Miner newspaper in 1986. So Pat was, uh, no surprise, stealing valor like a bitch. And he still is on his website, by the way. Oh, Jesus. Currently on his website. Still. Wow. Yeah. He needs yeah. to be called out. Yeah. Well, he will, well you, again, it on won't YouTube. matter. I think we've covered this. <laughs> yeah, no, like, nothing, that, uh, calling yeah. him out won't no, have any impact. No impact. Pa uh, punching Jello. <laughs> Pat marries Adelia Elmer. Uh, she goes by Dee Dee. In 1954, at the time she was studying to become a nurse after a stint as a fashion model during which she won the Miss Ohio Beauty Contest. The two have God-approved sex and go on to have four children. 
Nice. Pat. <laughs> Pat laying pipe. <laughs> Pat. Pat. That's the Creflo. That's a, a Creflo dollar song. It's like yeah. Pat laying that pipe. Uh, yeah, laying that pipe. Yeah, you might lay that pipe. Yeah. Uh, Pat. Uh, who Sorry. Can, who could forget the episode where Jake pretended to be a rapper and got us all canceled? Pat goes to Yale Law School and graduates in 1955. He then fails his first and only attempt at the New York bar exam. He soon after undergoes a religious epiphany and decides against pursuing law. He meets Dutch missionary Cornelius van der Breggen in 1956 and is impressed with the guy's swagger. Specifically, Cornelius's quoting of Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Robertson refers to the passage as his guiding principle from there on out. He enrolls in the Biblical Seminary in New York and graduates with a Master of Divinity in 1959. That sounds like an RPG name. (laughs) (laughs) A year later, he purchases a small UHF station. It's a kind of a radio uh, thing in Virginia and uses it to found the Christian Broadcasting Network or CBN. Within the year, Pat gets himself ordained as a minister of the Southern Baptist Convention. In 1977, Pat purchases a leased access cable TV channel in the Hampton Road area and names it CBN. This cable version of his radio network is expanded through an intricate system of canvassing. Pat's organization goes door to door, convincing Christians to buy cable boxes so they can tune in to CBN. They do the same with local churches. Pat also goes on a speaking tour of local ministries to solicit donations for, you guessed it, CBN. His friend John Jimenez, a local pastor, helps Pat by gathering donations and getting his flock to volunteer their time as well. Their efforts are successful, and Pat Robertson goes on to become the foremost televangelist in America, spreading his fundamentalist Christian doctrine on a countrywide scale. The expansion of Pat's influence leads to a renaming of his operation to the CBN Family Channel in 1988. Two years later, Pat is in danger of losing his nonprofit status because he's raking in so much cash. Instead, he forms International Family Entertainment Incorporated and makes the Family Channel into its subsidiary. He sells CBN to Fox News Corporation in 1997. They rename it Fox Family, but there are strings attached to the sale. Pat makes Fox promise to air Pat's television program, The 700 Club, twice a day, forever, even if the owner changes. The operation is now owned by Disney, and the channel has been renamed Freeform. Disney continues to honor the deal. We'll take a look at Pat's content in a bit, but for now we need to rattle off the perplexingly varied activities that Pat got himself into over a rich and long life. But no, that is insane that he got Disney to yeah. agree to air him whenever, just yeah. forever. He got Fox to agree, and then Disney was bought. Fox, bought into the Fox deal. got Disney to agree, and yes, so now Disney is has in to honor the deal. A literal deal with the devil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> forever. He has to broadcast like just anything. Forever. He can just show up. Ever. Massive audience, including his yearly telethon. You, Imagine he is literally uncancelable. Yeah. Literally, like mm-hmm. like it, he is impossible yeah. to remove him from the air. Yeah. That is incredible. And he's eighty nine years old. Holy and he's shit! Still making headlines. He's gonna fucking die on air. He's incredible. 
You've been listening to a premium episode sample of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. We refuse to allow corporate advertisement on our show. The goal is to be completely self-sustainable. For a fiver a month, you can support the podcast and get access to a weekly premium episode, plus all the ones we've already recorded. So visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month. Thank you, guys. We love you.